Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sitting at a pool bar in Maysot, listening to covers of Creedence songs by the house band and losing at pool against Andy and the boys, it's hard to think of them holed up behind a barricade, clutching Molotovs. But not so long ago, the choices the boys faced were pretty stark. Every day, every time they went out from their little apartment, they knew they might not come back. But I think the most fucked up thing that we had to plan was, uh, what if someone got shot, one of us, and the other person have to go carry? Um, who, who do you go? Who gets hit? You know, and we had to kind of like what we did just now. But like, okay, if I get hit, you know, two of you, this, this and this person will come out and, you know, do this to me. Because it's, it's um, I don't know, I think we were planning because it just, it's just good to have that, you know. Because if, if someone gets shot and if all five of us go run in there, there's more targets, you know what I mean? So then like... If someone with weight, less weight gets shot, then, you know, this person go. If someone heavier gets shot, this two-person go, something like that. When Andy says, like we did earlier, he's talking about a small stop-the-bleed type course that we had given the boys. 
Most journalists operating in war zones will take, at minimum, a week-long hostile environment and first aid training, or HEFAT course. Many of us will take extra courses. James and I both refreshed our wilderness first responder certificates once we had this trip planned. Andy and his brothers didn't have access to any of this. They learned what they could off the internet and tried to protect themselves as best as they were able with gear they purchased from an airsoft store. The afternoon we spent practicing skills wasn't nearly enough, but until they can travel safely more than a few miles from the border, it was better than nothing. Their little apartment had one way in and one way out. If the cops came, there was no escape. They had a plan for that, too. Yeah, so our plan was literally just to burn that fucking door down so then it would be difficult for them to come in and then you know we'll do i don't know whatever we can with the weapon we have um but we weren't going to make it out you know and and having to plan all that with these kids like it's like fucked up there were times that like they wake up at night screaming like they you know they i think now it's better right it's been a year and a half that and we are like we're better at coping with it but at that time it, it was very very scary So that they'd be prepared to burn their door and the rest of their apartment down around themselves, the boys kept a stockpile of Molotovs mixed and ready by the front door at all times. They lived in a state of permanent readiness to commit revolutionary suicide for weeks on end. Eventually, they decided they had to flee. We should probably talk history here for just a little bit. Myanmar is a new name for a very old land. Over the centuries, it's been ruled by a series of empires and dynasties. The Mongols took over for a while in the 1200s and 1300s, and when they left, Lower Burma had a warring states period of its own. The modern nation of Burma didn't start to come together until the 1600s and 1700s, and things didn't really congeal into a state until the reign of the last two Burmese kings, who industrialized the country and reformed its military enough to win a series of wars against neighboring groups, like the Urakan. This is what brought them into conflict with the British Raj, right at the turn of the 19th century. Their wars were sending refugees into India, and the Burmese king's designs on Thailand and British-controlled Bangladesh led to a policy wherein the Brits supported insurgent fighters who struck out at Burmese positions. A series of near clashes between British and Burmese forces followed, and in January of 1824, the Burmese king, Bagyadaw, gave his generals the order to attack. A pair of brutal jungle wars followed. Despite winning several victories early on, Burmese troops were crushed comprehensively whenever they engaged British forces in conventional battles. In January of 1886, British forces entered the capital, Mandalay, and brought an end to Burmese independence for almost 60 years. These are the broad strokes of the story, as you'll find them summed up in almost any history book. As with most colonial history, the reality is somewhat messier than that. The Burmese Empire the British destroyed was dominated heavily by the Buma people, who gave the colony its name. But there were other peoples in the territory they claimed. The Shin, the Karin, Urakan, the Rohingya, and dozens more. Like most empires dominated by a single ethnicity, they were brutal. Father San Germano, who lived in pre-Raj Burma, wrote of the king, He is considered by himself and others absolute lord of the lives, properties, and personal services of his subjects. He exalts and depresses, confers and takes away honor and rank, and, without any process of law, can put to death not only criminals guilty of capital offenses, but any individual who happens to incur his displeasure. It is here a perilous thing for a person to become distinguished for wealth and possessions, 
for the day may easily come when he will be charged with some supposed crime, and so put to death, in order that his property may be confiscated. Every subject is the emperor's born slave, and when he calls anyone his slave, he thinks thereby to do him honor. Hence, also, he considers himself entitled to employ his subjects in any work of service, without salary or pay, and if he makes them any recompense, it is done not from a sense of justice, but as an act of bounty. And while Bagheera was a fairly modern king, brutality like this went back hundreds of years in the region. Most of the kings and princes and other people who ruled the land we now call Myanmar did so with brutal force and an awful lot of conscription. This is broadly true of much of Southeast Asia. Western histories of this region tend to flatten life into kingdoms and empires and assume life in the region coincided politically with the lines drawn on maps. This was never the case. Much of mainland Southeast Asia, from the central highlands of Vietnam through Myanmar, northeast India, and several southern Chinese provinces, is filled with terrifying mountains and brutal hills, covered with the densest jungle imaginable. Standing in Maesat and staring across the border into Myanmar, all you see is a vast expanse of jagged, deep green peaks rolling endlessly on. James and I are both experienced backpackers, and neither of us would have wanted to take on that terrain without quality gear and weeks of endurance training. In an era before planes, helicopters, or satellite communications, this area was practically ungovernable. People were aware of this at the time, and for roughly the last 2,000 years, this chunk of highland Southeast Asia, known to political scientists as Zomia, has been a refuge for people pushed out and put down by the great state powers of the area. Empires and kings would stick to the coasts and the flat plains, perfect for cultivating rice. When they taxed their subjects too hard or conscripted too many of them into the military, some would flee to the hills to take their freedom. As James C. Scott, a Yale poli-sci professor, writes, The frontier operated as a rough-and-ready homeostatic device. The more a state pressed its subjects, the fewer subjects it had. The frontier underwrote freedom. He calls the people who chose to inhabit this stateless zone barbarians by choice. While many of these ethnic groups were mocked for their lack of so-called civilized values, like widespread literacy, Scott argues that this lack was actually a conscious rejection. Their refusal to educate themselves in a manner acceptable to the powers of the day was a rebellion against the legitimacy of those powers and their standards. Human history in our modern globe is filled with places like this, Muddied areas at the borders of great powers where the detritus of war, refugees, and beaten soldiers can congregate without fear of the state. The term for these places is shatter zones. Rojava, the radical feminist enclave in northeast Syria, would be one example of a shatter zone, and the unique political potential such places have. Myanmar is, by landmass, mostly shatter zones. And since 1949, different ethnic armed organizations have existed in a more or less constant conflict with the state. This includes the Karen people, whose territory borders Thailand. When the young millennial and Zoomer protesters in the cities realized they were going to have to flee their homes to continue the fight, Karen territory was a natural place to retreat to. People had been making versions of the same decision for 2,000 years. The current situation between the Karen and Myanmar's military junta actually owes a lot to the British Empire. When they took over in Myanmar, they had to figure out how to govern it, and they went with the tactic that had served them well all across India and Africa. They picked a minority ethnic group to act as their colonial shock troops. In Uganda, their preferred warrior race were the Kakwa people, from whom future dictator Idi Amin descended. 
For their colonial troops in India, the Brits used Sikhs and Gurkhas, and in colonial Burma, they used the Karin. Ever since the British left, the Karin have wanted as little as possible to do with the central government in Naypyidaw. Instead, they fought to maintain Kadule, a land without darkness, as they were promised in Burma's 1948 constitution. Today, they might not be recognized by the UN or the US, but the Karin have their own schools, hospitals, and army. They have been at war since 1949. Andy, whose father is Karin, only really found out about the struggle for Kwadule, a home for the Karin language peoples, when he became a refugee. He moved into the camps along the border after the Saffron Revolution. He was only eight years old. The border is dotted with camps, some of them more like towns, but they're always temporary, and while the Thai government tolerates the Karin presence, people there are seen as temporarily displaced. They can't build solid homes and don't have the identity documents they need to travel, even internally in Thailand. Despite not growing up there, Andy's identity card says Karin. It doesn't take a PhD in history to know that ethnic identity cards issued by imperial and formerly post-colonial governments are bad news. But if you need more information about that, maybe Google ID cards, Rwanda. Like most people in most places, the young people from Myanmar we talked to had thought relatively little about the injustices on the edge of their world. They tended to think of the Karen as terrorists up in the hills rather than freedom fighters. But once the Tatmadaw started unloading machine guns into crowds, people were confronted with the reality of a situation that they'd been able to ignore before. Suddenly, they saw that the Karen and other marginalized ethnic groups were victims of the same government violence that they now faced. And now that the scales had fallen from their eyes, they were going to do something about it. The main majority of uh, groups, people, they are Karen people, which is another ethnic groups from uh, Myanmar. And they, they had a different view, right? Because obviously the military, while we were like, because we were born in the city, we were more like, a, you know, like we didn't suffer that much, even though it wasn't that great, you know, but then for them, the military come to their states, the military come to their villages, they burn the villages, they kill the people, they rape the people, you know, they do all these atrocities. Um, so then they have a very different view on the Myanmar military and how the country is, you know, working doing and um um so that's when i started learning oh shit like there is some other stuff going on in the country but you know like you kind of just like you kind of just live with your life you know you, you're a kid you're trying to i don't know get by day to day like so you didn't really think about it um and for me that go on that go that went on for a long time until uh the military could happen in myanmar the present revolution is not the only flare-up of inter-ethnic violence in the country in 2017, the Tatmadaw under Ming An Klan began a concerted campaign of genocidal ethnic cleansing against the Rohingya people, a largely Muslim ethnic group who live in the country's Rakhine state. The Tatmadaw, claiming the Rohingya were variously terrorists or illegal immigrants native to modern-day Bangladesh and hence not native to Myanmar, spent months raping, killing and burning the villages of the Rohingya people, while the world perhaps distracted by a neoliberal consensus which demonizes both migrants and Muslims, did fuck all to stop them. In Myanmar, nobody spoke about the genocide, at least not in those terms. Most people didn't even speak about the Rohingya in those terms, because Tatmadaw propaganda was so effective that citizens in Yangon really believed that the Rohingya were migrants and terrorists coming from Bangladesh. Government newspapers like the New Light of Myanmar 
publish daily stories linking them to groups like ISIS or Al-Qaeda, who, despite their best efforts, remain totally irrelevant in this story. Bots popped up on Facebook, which is basically synonymous with the internet for many people living in Myanmar, and fed a steady diet of anti-Rohingya hate speech into political discourse, gradually shifting the Overton window towards genocide. And without better information, most people believe them. Andy's Western friends, probably weirdos like me who'd crept into his DMs at some point, started to ask him questions. So the Rohingya thing happened in 2017. I was 17. And, um, you know, we, we started hearing, I, I started getting phone calls from my friends in the Western countries, like Westerners. They would be like, hey, what's happening in your country? Why are you killing, like, all the Muslims? And I'm in, like, mess out Thailand. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard anything like that, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, and then, I, like, I try to learn a little bit more, but everyone had so intense opinions about it that at some point I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't know anymore, you know, because the military was in control at that time still, kind of. So they, they control the news, they control the media, they control, it's the same thing, you know, like, they control who was saying what. And so we never hear about it that much. If you only... If only you care so much and you're following everyone that is saying, you know, the, the truth, then you know. But otherwise, you, you didn't know. It was all very blurry, very... So that, that's another time when I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to, you know, and then went on with my life. Um, and yeah, I, nev I never realized how much, uh, like, how much they had to suffer. And they, they are still suffering, right? No number of international protests had stopped the ethnic cleansing of the Rohingya. As they huddled, hidden in their apartment, Andy and his brothers began to embrace the need for deadly violence against their oppressors. We never had any plans, actually. We were just like, no, I think, I remember. It's like, that was not really planned. It was like, they killed our people who will fucking hurt them back, you know? It wasn't to get their guns or shoot them back. Like, we didn't even know how to use any of that, you know? And honestly, we didn't even want to kill them. We just want to be like, you can't do these things and not feel, not feel any, any, anything, you know, not, not feel any consequences of that. Like we're not fucking, we're not animals, you know, you can't just come in and kill one of our friends and think that we're not going to do anything back, you know, like and if we let that happen, then they're never going to stop. You know, you, they were trying to scare us and we were trying to scare them back, but they actually kill people. We didn't, we never wanted to kill anyone, you know? Andy's situation felt hopeless at this stage, trapped at the capital and watching his friends disappear one by one. It seemed like he was running out of options. Thousands of young people in Myanmar felt the same, and some of them decided to take an option they hadn't even known existed a few weeks earlier. While we were in Mesat, we conducted a phone interview with a former rebel fighter named Alex. Like everyone else we talked to, he woke up on the 1st of February to find out that his phone didn't work and the internet was out. Yeah, uh, I thought like it was just, you know, like something wrong with my phone. And then like I started talking to my friends and all my friends are having the same problem. So we looked down and everybody is like rushing down to the market because we live close to the market. And like they were like, you know, like doing like, like buying lots of rice and like food to like store because like no one knew what's going to happen. Like everyone else, he wasn't that into politics but he was absolutely not into having the military fuck with every aspect of his life. So he got into the streets. At first, like, we are not like that into the politics and stuff, so we didn't know, but then, you know, like, 
they can even like shut down the internet is kind of like controlling our, our life right so like if they can even do that like you know like we cannot imagine like what other things they can do and which they did like killing the innocent civilians and stuff so yeah at first we just like oh yeah we need to do something about this and then join the protest he and his friends later found a shop to buy gas masks tasers and goggles but even with all their gear they were powerless against soldiers with guns and tear gas. He said that the next few weeks were hard. Protests were less and less safe, but nobody dared to talk about their plans to take the fight to the military. Everyone was worried about informants and snitches. We didn't really like actually talk about uh, those stuff. Like we're only like discussing about you know like uh, protesting and also like how to get attention from the like embassies and stuff. But uh, for like fight fighting back and you know like going on the wars are like i think like almost everyone they just decide on their own unless they have super like trust their friends by april he says he'd seen people die in the streets he decided that protesting wasn't working and he needed to pick up a gun the only problem was he didn't have one nor did his friends he knew some people who had guns and hated the tatmador but he'd been raised his whole life to think of them as terrorists before this, we been, you know, like brainwashed by the military, like pretty much our whole life. So, you know, we always think all oh, ethnic groups are like, uh, like, you know, they will kill like whoever they see or anything. Like, they're just terrorists, terrorists, yeah. right? That's what like the military like make us believe our whole life. Yeah. And I was kind of scared to like join them because like, yeah, I didn't know like, you know, how to live there or like if they're gonna kill me just because like I don't speak Karen, so yeah. It was, bizarrely, his boss who hooked him up with the rebels in the hills. But he couldn't tell anyone he was going, in case they got captured or turned out to be a snitch. Instead he packed his bag with some of his old clothes, didn't even say goodbye to his family, and took a bus. He got off that bus and waited until a man in the car picked him up. By that night, he was in the jungle. During the first night there, like, you know, we have to go guard, like, one of the leader from the jungle, like, you know, like, train us by, you know, like, walking in the dark in the forest. So we have to walk to, like, somewhere we don't even know. And we have to sleep in the, like, deep jungle. He'd read about the PDF on Facebook, but suddenly he found himself among them. Technically, they're a distinct unit fighting for a return to democracy. But in practice, they're trained and equipped by the Karen National Liberation Army who had been fighting for federal democracy for decades. Pretty soon, his opinion of the Karen had changed. But like, during my time, I did some observation about them. Uh, yeah, it was like, obvious like the government, it's not the Karen people fighting the, uh, the military. The military has been like, you know, like invading the Karen villages, like Karen land. And uh, yeah, they were like banning down the like, villagers, uh, like raping the women, you know, like killing the people for like many years. So they cannot do anything but to fight back. You know, they have to fight back to protect their land. Just like Zor, the now deceased rebel soldier who we interviewed for our last series, Alex received rudimentary training. He'd never fired a gun before and supplies were very limited, but he still got a kick out of sending a few rounds downrange. Like not even in my dream, like I never thought like I would be like, holding it again or like shooting, shooting it. So it feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
do you re what kind of gun was it? Was it a point two two or was it? You know, yes, uh, the first one was point two two. Was it hand homemade, handmade, or was it you know? Uh no, it's not handmade, but it's kind of pretty old. Even in the jungle, they were worried about moles. It took a while to make friends, he says, but eventually he fell in with a cop who had defected, a photographer and a construction worker. Their plan, he says, was to train up in the jungle and then go home and fight in the cities. Like our like idea was, you know, like we went there and train for a few months and then go back to the city. And like, I, we thought like, it's gonna be like a huge wars in the cities like in Yangon or Mandalay and also like everywhere in Myanmar. But yeah, it didn't turn out like that. <laughs> but instead, he found himself pulling sentry duty in the jungle. For a city kid, it was scary alone out there in the night with a gun surrounded by potential threats. I felt like, you know, like, okay, like it's gonna happen tonight, like they're gonna come to our base tonight, so we, I'm gonna have to shoot that. <laughs> I have to protect my people. <laughs> the funny thought. But it didn't happen, <laughs> yeah. Alex spent eight months in the field, pulling sentry duty and learning the skills of a soldier. But without arms and ammunition, there wasn't much he could do. And his whole time training, he says he only fired five shots. I feel kind of useless because we don't have, like, enough guns. Uh, you know, like, so by the time, like, there was, a, like, airstrike happening in Lekiko, uh, uh, I thought like, oh, we gonna have to like go and you know like fight them now, but instead like we have to pack our stuff and move to a deeper jungle. Yeah. So we were like kind of like refugees with uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, if I'm just keep staying there, like we, if we are just going to keep running away like this, like I don't wanna stay there. Uh, I wanna do something about the needs, like the main needs in our campus, the weapons. So I want to like come here and like work for that. The transition was hard. For eight months, he hadn't seen a light bulb or a flushing toilet. Now he crossed a river and everything seemed normal. Every kind of weird, like you know, from the jungle and metal, it's just a small river across. And then like the life here is totally different. Like people are living their normal life and not having to like worry for like any. Things or like, just like in the whole time I was in jungle, you know, like we have to worry about our country and like we don't want to live a normal life until the you know, like the military is gone. So like, but then like here everyone is living a normal life and it's just only one river across. Now that he's across the river, we won't say where. He's still part of the revolution. He's raising money and doing interviews like this trying to organise medical supplies, and hoping that one day he can return to his country. Not as a refugee with a uniform, but perhaps as a soldier liberating his people, or better yet, as a citizen in a free democracy. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. 
Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin. Not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! You're probably careful with your personal information. But what about the other places that have it? Like the doctor's office that mixed up your files. They have your social security number. The power company that mistakenly cut your service has your payment info and last three addresses. And the hotel that lost your reservation has your passport info. Your information is in endless places out of your control. Any one of them could accidentally expose you to hackers and identity theft through lax security, breaches, or simple mistakes. But LifeLock monitors millions of data points every second and alerts you to a wide range of threats. If your identity is stolen, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will fix it, guaranteed, or your money back. With plans covering up to $3 million for stolen funds and expenses. Mistakes happen. Don't let not having protection be one of them. Save up to 40% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 40%. Terms apply. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Nyok wasn't ready to be a refugee quite yet. He quickly found a role for himself in the militant side of what had become a full-fledged civil war. Before the coup, he'd been studying engineering at university, and he liked to understand how things worked. Although Alex and his comrades had a critical shortage of weapons, Miok didn't only make guns at first. He made bombs too, using knowledge that he'd gained after traveling into the jungle and getting training from Karin experts in explosives. And, as he told us, they were very effective. Do you think the explosives took out any soldiers? Of course. Some yeah. explosives is out for the bathing, some explosives for their base, uh, some are the trap bowl. So, okay. you know, they, they camp and pick the bowl and trying to cut off the bowl and yeah. just explode, so they oh, die. Wow. So my... Uh, you tried to cut off the what? Cut off the wire. 
bone wire. Okay, gotcha. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. But they die. Yeah. Anyway, okay. uh, so it's like, uh, my best memory is that we are using and the very first ETN, ETN in, 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 in Think Angel. Uh, 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 now in this revolutionary things, the whole things are arrested. Mm-hmm. All things are arrested. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when they made, 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 made the EDM ball, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we, we had the, the ambulance, ambulance, how mm-hmm. many say ambulance bike or ambulance land. Yeah. Ambulance land. It's like five, five ambulance track. Is coming here. Oh wow! Yes. Okay, this, yeah, you... I think this is my best mom movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, wow. So like, the bomb goes off and they have to send in five ambulances. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was it soldiers or police? That soldiers. Soldiers. Yes. The 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 soldier who who checked the road. Yeah. It was just bombs that the young rebels learned about. They also shattered many of their misconceptions about the roles of men and women. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride, glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. women like Amira stepped up to the front lines and fought alongside their male comrades, it became hard to ignore the sexism which underpinned much of traditional Burmese culture. The music you just heard from a Yangon punk band called Rebel Riot, they gave us permission to use it here. They have some great songs about the Spring Revolution, and this one focuses on the role of women. In the video, you see young women in the streets, and then you see them in the jungles carrying M16s. Myanmar might previously have had a woman leader, but gender equality had been far from universal. Andy told us a story about this, and we recorded it. But it was our last night in the country, and we were on our way to another spectacular hangover. One that would see me vomiting with such ferocity on our flight that an elderly Thai lady took pity on me and gave me her shopping bag once I filled up my sick bag. In the second month of the revolution, Andy said, when they were in Yangon, the protesters would build giant barricades to keep the police back. We've seen videos of these. They're pretty impressive. Huge mounds of pallets, boxes, and burning tires. We got some other audio of him describing them. No, uh, we could never get close to the military. Um, it was never, it was never attack. It was always defense. So uh, later on, when we started seeing how military cracked down these protesters, we started building these gates and like sandbags in our every base in the in the in Yangon, Miaudi, whatever, all across the country. We started building these barriers so that the military trucks cannot just come in. And it's actually crazy because sometimes to build these things, you have to take over the road first. So like like a main road or a highway. So then what we do is all these little groups would gather. So one street, two street, three street, you know, and then we would go to that street or we would walk down the street saying, we're going to try to take over this street. Please come join. People will come down, people will come down from the streets, uh, from the buildings. And then we go to the next street, we say the same thing, and then people will join. Nothing they did could stand up to a tank, though, just as that shopping bag couldn't stand up to James's vomit. The military started using human shields to get through the barricades and the groups of people throwing Molotovs. Usually we would defend our places, right? We would use Molotov slingshots uh, and we would resist, like we would attack, like we would be in the, behind the gate, but we would kind of make them cannot come too, too far, you know? But when the military have someone that they're gunpointing, 
just a normal civilian and making him move. We can't do anything, man. Like, we can't go through a Molotov, like, you know. So that's when the military cleaned out all of that in Yangon, I think. There was a time when it was packed. It was every road had it. Every street had it. And everyone was guarding that, right? But then when the military started, and they, they said it in the statements, they were saying, if that's near your house, you're responsible. Then they came up with a better idea. In Burmese culture, men fear passing under women's clothing. If it's hanging on a washing line, they'll go around rather than under it. It is, as Andy told us, bullshit. So they decided to turn that bullshit back on the troops, and they grabbed as many women's lunches, a traditional garment worn around the waist like a sarong, as they could, and hung them up above their barricade. It worked, he said, and just like that, a generation of Burmese kids realized that sexism hurts everyone who perpetuates it. Miak told us an interesting story about this. He said the first time he met his fiancée, he thought that she was pretty sharp for a girl. That, he says now, was his bad. Myanmar, he says, has some gender hang-ups, but he soon realized that she was the bravest person he knew. They went to protest together, and when something needed moving from one town to another, they took advantage of those gender hang-ups and her bravery, and she risked her life carrying weapons in her bags on inner-city buses. We'll let him tell you how they met. It's like uh, we we met on a meeting, like I, uh, you know, yeah. uh, we we started making maybe it's in the very first week, first week of match, mm-hmm. making very 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 respective memories. Yeah, the, the the name of the meeting is brainstorming. Okay, brainstorming. The name of the meeting okay. is brainstorming. At this time, she 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 is very you know respected. She said the very thoughtful things. Yeah. Oh, I, oh she is. You know, so so thoughtful. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think, you know, in in, in the Myanmar mm-hmm. uh, culture, is there's a gender, you know. Mm-hmm. So wines are always good, like that. Before there's yeah. a gender, you know, something like that. So I thought, oh, she's really good, or that she's a gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this my bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I have some some gender at those times, but mm-hmm. but later, uh, uh, I I met with her on the on the protest. So I saw, oh, she is so beautiful. I, I thought she's just twenty or twenty years ago, but later. We, no, later, later. So we, we we keep doing together the things. Then she she is my backyard. I was in, on ground like mm-hmm. this. And we, whatever I have, uh, I have in danger. I only contact her. We asked him if he worried she'd get arrested while she was making trips into the mountains with guns and bombs. But he said no. Was it hard to leave her to go to the jungle? Because she could get arrested, you could get arrested. Uh, no, no. I don't know. She is very clever, so I, I, I never worry about her. So mm-hmm. I just worry about myself because she is more, you know, secret and mm-hmm. she is more clever than me. Yeah. So she only teach me how to be clever. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Miaok, Amira was falling in love as well. Her relationship was a bit different, though. At first, uh, we were in a group chat. Yeah, 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 yeah. but then did you make but, a private but, yeah. chat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made the private chat. Yeah, who started the private chat? Who started chat? the private chat? Uh, I did. I, I think I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, at that time, I feel like, oh, she is so young. At that time, she she's not even 18. Mm-hmm. She's 17 years old, yeah. and uh, she's leading the the one of the protest team. So I'm like, wow. This yeah. girl is like amazing, right? Yeah. So that that's how I met her, and then that's how I, you know, try to hit her. <laughs> <laughs> now, admittedly, TK, the security guy, is translating here. He's also her boyfriend, and for now, 
He's here with her to make sure she's okay. When we met them both, it was just weeks after he'd arrived in Thailand, and the two had met in person for the very first time. It's a kind of story you can't help but find touching. Two people on opposite sides of the world, united by a fight for justice and the bonds of revolutionary care. At least it's a nice counterweight to all the stories of death and violence, which we'll have more of for you tomorrow on part four of this series. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.